Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. Guess what? We're all back together to talk about Ohio State. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward. And man, it just feels so good to have the three amigos back together. Or at least it does for me. I don't know about these two, but I don't really care. It feels like it's been a while since we've done this, but I I do want to give a hearty shout out to Canada for forcing us all to be inside. Uh, Therefore, we can't really... You know, have people out doing other things today. So, hey, way to go, Canada! Your fires uh, are the are the lighting the the cockles of my heart. They have the world's best fires. I think we've always known that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hate Canada. I feel terrible. <laughs> I've got a little bit of a headache. My throat's a little froggy, but hey, we're just gonna make it through. It makes me even more relieved that the United States beat Canada in the nations league championship because now like they shouldn't have anything up there i what can't I have any respect for that <clears throat> i think in exchange for canada uh polluting us with this smoke they should give Connor bedard to the blue jackets i've always felt that 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 should be the case and i'm surprised that on wednesday night nobody <laughs> did that um Weird. yeah i don't know i hope i'm wrong by the time that this <laughs> posts but i don't think that that's going to happen um, but on Wednesday, Bill, you wrote, uh, an in-depth dive into Jim Knowles track record for growth and development and improvement from between year one and year two. I think there's a lot of interesting parts to that. Some of the stuff that we have talked about before with, uh, the pieces coming back for Ohio state, the staff, we'll dig into all of that and how it might relate to Ohio state specifically. But, um, when you, when you looked at Duke and Oklahoma state, what did you find? Uh, improvement from from year one to year two. Um, Duke kind of went from really bad to just kind of bad. <laughs> like they still they still weren't very good, but there was improvement in the the areas I looked at were uh, defensive efficiency, points per drive, uh, available yards, which is a percentage of, of possible yards you could give up that you do give up, uh, touchdown rate and first down rate, which is how often your opponent does those respective things against you uh, on a particular drive. And Duke improved in all those categories. Oklahoma State made significant jumps from, again, like pretty bad in Jim Knowles' first year to more like middle of the pack in his second year. Neither one of them were exceptionally great defenses, but I think when you take that track record of improvement from the first year to the second year and then look at the the baseline that Ohio State is starting from where it was last year in his first year under Jim Knowles, then then I think you can talk yourself into the idea of them actually achieving this idea of of being, I don't know if it's the best defense in the country, but one of the best defenses in the country, because while they were improved last year, I think they they certainly ended up coming a bit up a bit short uh, of that goal. But um, I think it's it's out there for them this year because like Jim Knowles has just done this for a long time, and it does seem like for whatever reason, his system in year two, there is a significant progress made. I remember last summer we were talking about the 2022 Buckeyes, and uh, I believe it was me who said that if the Buckeyes finished in the top 20 in defense, total defense, that they'd win a national championship. Uh, and I think they finished 21st or something like that. So um, they're, they're very much on the cusp of being that way. And Bill, the one thing I thought was interesting is that both the the second year leap that you showed, there was a plus a 7% um, improvement in touchdowns allowed. And if Ohio State gave up 7% less touchdowns last year, I think they probably win the national championship. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it is one of those things where the, the improvement has to come not only just from players getting more comfortable, but players being more 
experience, play, players being stronger, players being better. Um, and Ohio State's going to need its defense this year to make a step up because the offense is going to probably be, at least in the beginning part of the year, a little bit different than it has been. So they're going to need to see this defense step up if this if this season is going to reach its goals. Yeah, they, they will. I think that that was like the <clears throat> the biggest thing that I thought Jim Knowles said when we spoke to the coaches um, at the end of May. He said, like, we, we want to be a top five defense, and that's fine. Put put whatever number you want on it. I think I agree with you, Berman. If Ohio State has a, a top 20 defense um, with the offense that it's going to have every year, then it's probably going to be in pretty good shape. But but Jim Knowles said they want to be uh, accountable, a defense you can count on every week to if, if, if the game transpires in a fashion that your defense needs to get the job done, we want to be able to be relied upon in that fashion, and um, I know I don't I don't put all of the shortcomings on, on the defense last year. I think there's some arguments can be made that, especially in the Peach Bowl, like that third quarter of the Peach Bowl, they shut the door on Georgia and Ohio State had a chance to pull away and they didn't. Um, so so it goes both ways. But I think that is generally the idea is if is if the game presents itself where Ohio State needs to hang its hat on defense, then Jim Knowles thinks that given his track record and what they have coming back, they can get there this year. It's what I think is uh, was really interesting, Bill, when you looked at the Oklahoma State stuff specifically, is that I would have thought, well, he inherited a bunch of new players, and then they became more veteran. He had a bunch of returning starters. They probably learned and adapted and grew, and that wasn't necessarily the case. I believe what you found were just four returning starters in year two. So obviously, a lot of like, you know, reserves maybe got, they got experience in year one, and they'd step forward in year two, play bigger roles. That's part of it. I'm not trying to make too big a, a deal out of just one stat, but four returning starters is not the kind of number that leaps off the page and says, wow, that that should really lead to dramatic improvement from year one to year two as they know the system. Uh, those are the ones that you're relying on. By comparison, like Ohio State's going to have six plus uh, you know, a, a pretty decent handful of reserves who now have a better feel for the system. So at least in that regard, and you alluded to this earlier, the Buckeyes and Jim Knowles may be in better situation to ramp up that learning curve this year than even those Cowboys or certainly Duke was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what situation Duke was in because I couldn't go back that far. That was the the 2010 2011 season. I couldn't look at the personnel numbers from those those years to figure out exactly where Duke was, but I, I could find it for Oklahoma State, and I was a little surprised by that. I thought that there would have been significant carryover. I know that by the time they were in his fourth year, when they were maybe the best defense in the country. There were guys playing in the defense that had played in it for four years. I think quite a, quite a few of them had played in it for four years, but that second year jump did not come, as you said, with a bunch of, of returning starters and like they lost the entire starting defensive line. Uh, they returned one linebacker, I think one safety, and that was it. Um, and you look at where Ohio state is like, not only does Ohio state return more starters just overall, but it has them at every level of the defense. Um, and, and I think maybe most importantly, or maybe safety would be more important, but but having like a Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers back in the middle of that defense to sort of be the heart of it, I think positions Ohio State to to take um, a similar step, if not if not a a bigger step forward than than Jim Knowles' defenses take have taken in their second year. And then you also add on the fact that they are just immensely more talented than most of the teams are going to play week to week, and which was not the case at Oklahoma State. And and I think you become even more um, confident in the idea that they are going to make that jump. I think last season felt so like broken in half there was three games really where the defense looked like they didn't belong on the field and that was Penn State at times Michigan and and Georgia and the rest of the time even in the Michigan game they, they were pretty good defensively outside of the five big plays and uh, the Georgia game they were pretty good defensively outside of 
the big plays. And I know that, you know, people may scoff at that. You gave up a lot of yards, but I don't care about yards. I care about points. So uh, mm-hmm. if you give up, you know, 24 points to, to Michigan, you win that game and no one cares that they have, you know, a couple of broken pass plays to the tight end or whatever. Georgia gets 550 yards, but if they don't hit the final one of the day, they finish at 475 yards and you're in the national championship game. So who cares about that? But like, it's about having the pieces there that are, are able to be healthy. And I think that's to me where this Ohio state defense is in a position to make the biggest jump from year one to year two, because these players are so much more talented than what he's had at Oklahoma state or, or, or Duke or anywhere else. The, the idea that they're going to suddenly feel more comfortable in the defense. I don't think that really is, is the case. As Austin said, like to me, this is about availability. This is about Jordan Hancock being back and healthy. It's about a healthy Mike Hall. It's about Jack Sawyer in his correct position. It's about um, Lathan Ransom having an opportunity to to be set in one spot. It's about how you deploy Sonny Styles. Like the the way that this defense gets better is by having better players on the field more often. And last year, it's it sounds like an excuse, but when you're playing with three cornerbacks and two of them are hurt, rotating in and out of this all year, like that's a bad situation. And and teams took advantage of that. I think that's what makes it a little bit challenging maybe to evaluate year one for Jim Knowles because I've, I've said, I believe that that improvement already existed for Jim Knowles and that they took significant steps forward. And I certainly understand why people want to look at the second half against Michigan in the fourth quarter against Georgia and say it wasn't good enough. That's a fair evaluation to make. It wasn't. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at what Ohio State and Jim Knowles accomplished in that first year, it was pretty darn good. And I think once you add in the context of if you got to see Mike Hall for more than seven snaps or 10 snaps a game, what that looks like, or if, uh, I mean, some of the, and some of this is not injury related. Jack Sawyer was basically playing out of position in that Jack role and it didn't suit him. And if that's a personnel adjustment from year one to year two, that's fine too. That would lead to improvement, but healthy Denzel Burke, healthy Jordan Hancock, that's pretty significant all by itself. Uh, figuring out, you know, defined roles for Tommy Eikenberg and Steel Chambers to let them take that into a second year when they were already playing at a high level. That's a big deal. Uh, another year of growth and development for JT Tuimolo or getting Mitchell Melton back. I can go down the list, but even once you add that in, it still makes me think that what happened in year one was a lot more impressive than perhaps Jim Knowles tends to get credit for. I, if anyone feels otherwise, that's fine too. But I, I don't think that there was any cause coming out of year one to say, Oh, I don't know if Jim Knowles gets it. I, I think that he does, but it just didn't have to necessarily get all the way to a national championship to be considered a success. I don't. I don't feel that way. I th- I think this. I think you feel the way that that most people should should feel about it. It's like you can even for this story. Like I I pulled a bunch of stats to help make my point, and when you you can pull other stats that make Ohio State's defense last year look pretty similar to the one before it and and that's fine that's i guess that's the beauty of statistics you pull the ones that, that make your argument for you and you ignore the other <laughs> ones um but if you just had been watching ohio state over the last four years or five years with the exception of the 2019 season and then like stack up just the way they played, just with your own eyeballs how did it feel they played faster they played more physical they looked like they knew what they were doing and that was not the case for 2021 for 2020 and, and 2018 if you want to lump that season in there too so like that was different that was better um, but there, there are things that they pick for sure. Like the, the big play touchdowns need to be curtailed. And and if you, I didn't include this in the story, but if you looked at the two Duke, D, 
Duke defenses, the two Oklahoma State defenses, and Ohio State's defense last year, they all gave up like a similar number of, of big plays, which I just counted as plays that were 40 yards or more. The thing that I didn't look up because I – just didn't want to take the time to do it, I guess, is how many of those big plays ended up being touchdowns for all those previous defenses? Because it feels like for Ohio State last year, all of them were touchdowns, and that was mm-hmm. the problem. You, you can give up those big plays and rally, I think, which we saw them do at the beginning of the Notre Dame game last year, but when you get to the latter half of the year and every single one of them goes for a score, that's really tough to overcome. I don't really care how many points your offense is scoring. So those are the things they need to clean up. But if, yeah, there was definitely improvement last year. I, I would hope that people people can come away from last year frustrated, certainly, with how it ended. Um, and and I know that perfection is expected a lot around around Ohio State, and that's a high bar, and that's great. But they were definitely better, and, and I would hope people realize that. How much of this do you think, guys? Is just people, and I say this in the general term, like needing to understand that college football is different now than it was 15 years. I mean, if Marvin Harrison doesn't get knocked out of that game, Ohio State's going to score 50 points on Georgia, and like Georgia's the best defense in the country, and they were going to give up 50 points to Ohio State, like. Is it an expectation now where in these big games, the ones that really matter, it is going to come down to almost always being a 45-42 type final and you just have to make sure that you don't look bad along the way or like that you you take care of business to get there? Because it seems like these heavyweight programs are just going to exchange punches and knockout blow after knockout blow until someone falls over. Uh, and generally speaking, it's going to come down to the wire, it seems like, in these games. When so I'm going to jump in, Bill, sorry. When you were talking sure. about Ohio State not putting away the Peach Bowl in the third quarter, like that's what instantly came to mind. I don't want this to be the excuse, excuse or rationalization or justification episode, but like, what if you put Marvin Harrison and Cade Stover back out there? I'm not sure that Ohio State ever stopped scoring against Georgia, and that leads me to like what I think was Ryan Day's overall shift in hiring Jim Knowles is somebody who, and I've said this a bunch of times, can get you three, three, three and outs maybe a interception or a strip sack and a fumble. And like, that's it to hold serve five times for the offense. And that would have led to a blowout against Georgia, or at least a similar score to what happened to the TCU Michigan game. Uh, and the other playoff, like that's probably going to be the way that these competitive games in the playoff shake out because the skill level and the rules make it so much easier for offenses than defenses. All you have to do is win a couple times and that's yep. all that matters. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I, I think even like Nick Saban said something to that effect a couple weeks ago. He, he's come around on that idea and he's maybe the best defensive coach ever. It's just, it's tailored to the offense to do the D lead offenses, right? Like you play Indiana, you're going to win 50 to nothing. But when you get on the field against, against the Georgias and the Alabamas and maybe the USC's of the world now that they're, they're on, the, they're on the up, um, I, I think that's more than likely going to be the case. It's, can you string together two or three consecutive stops? I don't think there's any expectation that you're going to shut down an elite offense in college football for the entirety of a game. It's can you can you string string together a couple stops and then capitalize on those opportunities when you have the ball when you're kind of in in one of those runs. Um, it's not, I guess, all that dissimilar from like a, the the idea of basketball. Um, and and I think one of the things that was maybe enticing about Jim Knowles is that he is he is hyper aggressive, and big plays come with that. But I think the trade-off is he's hyper-aggressive. Like He's going to get a team off the field in 90 seconds and get the ball back to your offense and get the ball back to Ohio State's offense to, be, to get more to the point and watch that offense go down the field and score. Like I, I think there was a an imbalance within the program, I think, with how aggressive the offense it wanted to be and how sort of passive the defenses were in Ryan Day's first couple of years. And now I think they're both on, on level footing ideologically and, and both want to be the aggressor. 
And there's some trade-off with that, but I, I think you're better off operating that way because I think the only way to kind of make a difference in these big matchup games like the Georgias and the Michigans of the world uh, is to be aggressive to the point on defense where you are stealing a couple of possessions and getting the ball back to your offense. I think for a lot of people, the best Ohio State defenses in history have traditionally been bend, don't break, and 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 that is different now. And right now it is all or nothing, it feels like at times, and that may be hard for people to swallow and that's why you see what georgia did and why they're considered so good on defense even against ohio state ohio state had to go out of like out of its mind a couple times to score those touchdowns they got last year against georgia the offense was moving the ball well cj Stroud was playing out of his out of this world and, and marvin harrison's not from this planet so it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's hard for him but for everyone else like that was a grinded out 500 yards of offense for ohio state and so that's fine i think and people will accept that but when you give up the big play, the 75-yard touchdown pass, when you have a safety guarding the fastest wide receiver on the team for, for Georgia, or when you have tough Borland trying to cover Devontae Smith, like that's where I think people have looked at the Ohio State defense in the last few years and said, what the, are we doing here? This doesn't make any sense. And so my question, Bill, as you evaluate this, and Austin, I guess, you know, the same thing, like, is this a matter of Ohio State trying to do too much when they should just be relying on the fact that they have the best talent in the country to just get the ball back to the offense. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I mean, again, depending on who you're playing, I guess that could be the case, but in the matchup games, no, I think you, I think you need to do more than just sort of roll the ball out there and hope you bow up in the end zone and hold into a field goal. I think you need to be the aggressor on defense the way that Jim Knowles has, has demonstrated he wants to do. <sighs> I don't know. I, I think that's a hard one for me to answer. Like, I the coverage in the Michigan game when Cam Brown let somebody get away was fine. Like, it was going to be like pretty close to the first down stick, may have been short of it, and he just let a tackle get away. Like, I don't think that there was a breakdown in scheme, and I don't think that Lathan Ransom is incapable of being in coverage against a fast wide receiver. He happened to slip on that one. I don't think it was because he's a bad player or not a good athlete. Uh, some that's why I say like when I take together my entire evaluation of the year, I I don't feel like it was a bad plan from Jim Knowles or he got too aggressive, and maybe my opinion of it is wrong. That would be fine too. Um, I think Jim Knowles himself has said that there are some calls that he has looked at that maybe he could have done things differently. You look at some of the busted coverages and, and communication breakdowns in Michigan. We can we can certainly see that later on. Game might have been different if Cam Brown makes a tackle or if Lathan Ransom doesn't slip. So I'm not I'm not pinning that on Jim Knowles or even those players specifically. Like they happen in games. They didn't recover. They led to two explosive touchdowns. They happened. They're on the record. But did it mean to me that Jim Knowles had to drastically change his approach or blow everything else up? To me, I would say no. And I think that that's how he feels as well. I don't disagree with that entirely. I, I do wonder, you know, no one, everyone's like in hindsight, you look at it and go, well, if we could change the play to not give up a touchdown, then let's change. It's a good plan. Yeah. That's a good plan. Don't, yeah. Let's do the, not give up a 70 yard touchdown play. Um, I think that <laughs> it was a situation a year ago. We talked about it. I mean, in all of these position previews, reviews, et cetera, like there is a lot of different, um, thoughts when you're a first year guy coaching a group of people you don't know 
understanding the pressure when you walk into a situation and it's national championship or bust. I, I think that there is a, a sense of, I have to do more than I need to do. Uh, and, and I do feel at times like Jim Knowles probably overextended the defense in a way to just say, I'm going to go make, we're going to go make a splash. And when you have the Ohio state offense, you don't need to do that. Like you just need to get off the field without giving up points. Um, yeah. And, and that, that is the, where things I think get, muddled for people because you're watching that Georgia game. And if you just stick in your base zone defense that you ran all third quarter, Georgia, at least with the ball at their 25 yard line is going to have to drive down the field to score a touchdown. And they had trouble doing that in the third quarter. So when you open a door for a national championship defending team, and it shouldn't be a surprise when they kick it open and eat your lunch, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and I think when you're coming from a place like Oklahoma State or Duke, you're not used to that scene and that setting. And so I think you're like, oh, well, we'll just we'll just riverboat gamble it. And you don't have to do that in that instance. I think I think that is right. I think there's there's probably a balance to it. Like I don't I don't think you lean all the way passive. I don't think you lean all the way aggressive. Like you don't play uh, goal line defense in the fourth quarter when the opponent has the ball like on their own twenty yard lines, for instance. Hmm. <laughs> um, but that there are other. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh but I, I think and I think those are the kind of things that, that Jim Knowles has been ruminating on since they happened. And um it's not just about what the players on the field can do. I think it's about Jim Knowles tweaking his process a little bit um as they try to make a jump here. And I and I think he he has admitted that that he probably did not press all the right buttons last year. But what's yeah, a realistic that- expectation for for growth this season? Is it positionally is that the defensive line gets more sacks is it the linebackers are rotated more is it that the the cornerbacks actually have an interception this season like what where where do you get growth that that impacts this in a way that people will say you know what this is actually a better defense than it was a year ago i think like general havoc plays so like everything you just listed they didn't have very many takeaways last year i think they've had fewer or like the same number of takeaways they had last year as they'd had the year before um sacks and tfls i think were pretty similar um i think that's the next step for them i don't know like statistically i don't i don't know what it looks like if they're top 20 i think they're okay but if they're a team that can live in the backfield a little more take the ball away a little more than they did last year then then i think that's how you measure growth yeah i mean i think from the outside i think the evaluation is going to be if ohio state wins a championship or not yeah or that (laughs) i mean because the the numerical statistical growth already existed in year one, and it was still easy to look at both of the losses and say uh, it was the defense that kept Ohio State from winning championships. And I'm not. Sure, and Bill mentioned this early on. I don't think that's entirely fair or accurate. There are a lot of other things that 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 factored into that for Ohio State coming up short in those two games, uh, both of which they were in position in the first half to beat Michigan and could have done that quite handily, and were certainly well on the way to doing that to Georgia in the Peach Bowl. It's like, I, I don't know. I think the only way that people will evaluate this season, and this will be true for Ryan Day, this will be true for Jim Knowles, this is going to be true for Kyle McCord if he wins the starting job, is if they if they win the Big Ten and how close they can get to winning another national championship. And anything else, we're probably going to find ways, because we talk about this program 365 days a year, we'll be able to find things to point to to say, that's you know they came up short and this is the reason for that. The only way to do that and remove that from the conversation, which is not even the fair way to do it because it's really hard to win a national championship or a Big Ten championship anymore, is 
to evaluate that by putting up banners. And that's, I don't know any other way. Yeah. I, I do think that because the offense has been so good in the last seven years and the defense has been so inconsistent and bad at times that people leap to the conclusion that it's all the defense that's the problem. And you, we can all go back and watch the second half of that Ohio State-Michigan game and the first 25 minutes of the uh, uh, first 22 minutes of that second half, the offense did not show up and the defense did. So uh, outside of the first touchdown they gave up and, and you know, the open half, the Georgia game after Marvin and, and Cade Stewart or Cade Silver go out of the game, everything changes a little bit. You don't have mine Williams, you don't have Trevor and Henderson, that things change quite a bit. Um, and I don't think anyone wants to say, well, it's both parts, both parts are the problem, but both parts were the problem. And, and you, you don't win games without offense and defense showing up and you don't lose games without offense and defense, both failing at times. So, I mean, you, we can go back to 2018 in the Purdue game when Dwayne Haskins throws for 475 yards, but the offense kind of stunk that day. Like it, it, you don't yeah, really go for five in the red zone in that game. So it, it, it is, you know, that is as Bill said earlier, the beauty of statistics, you just grab the ones you want and say, well, we'll look, but, the fact is we can all remember what we saw. They couldn't score in the red zone against Purdue. So it doesn't matter how good Dwayne Haskins was from between the twenties that day. Remember when they threw bubble screens on like third and fourth and goal in that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. It didn't really work. Did it? Weird day. Nope. Sure. Didn't. Um, that's another uh, crazy tangent. We don't need to go down that. Maybe road. that's a Freaky so. Friday episode in the future. The the things, the worst plays we've ever seen Ohio State run. <laughs> well, we are going to have a mailbag on Freaky Friday this week because it's the end of June, and why not? There's not a, the coaches are on vacation, the players are off for the fourth, I believe. They're not going to even going to be doing workouts right now, so we got to do something, and that means mailbag time. Berm has already submitted his question, which is the worst plays that we've ever seen from Ohio State. That could be the whole show right there. I don't know how fun that would be for anybody. They might click stop right away. I don't want to relive that. We don't need to pull off band-aids or pour salt in the wound, but I don't know. It sounds like something Berm wants to do. It does. It's not. It's not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The person the person who would make that make, be most miserable from that is you, so I'm surprised yeah. you suggested it. <laughs> well, I figured at some point people just like to hate watch me. So, <laughs> uh, Well... We'll see. Uh, we'll see so the questions. People submit their questions on YouTube, or are we just doing those exclusively at OhioState.Rivals.com? That's where we prefer to draw from. And if you're not a member there, use code DTE30 and get a free month on us. Submit some questions. That's the easiest place for us to corral them all. We can't just be chasing down. Well, we could, but we don't want to just follow up on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube comments. So if you could, give us uh, uh, you know, some... Try us out. Head in there. We'll start a thread. Uh, on the Horseshoe Lounge mes message board, uh, we'll be looking for questions for the Freaky Friday mailbag, a tradition unlike any other, and we'll be back to do that uh, on Friday, doing it you know, live at 6 in the morning like we do every show. For Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham, I am Austin Ward. We'll talk to you later.